0: Welcome to Gamers of the Lost Ark, your place for deep delves into specific games and the amazing emotions they bring forth. With me, the host Ryan, and my guest this week, the amazing Big Bad Ginger Nut, Kaylee. Hello, hello. Welcome. Here I am back. again. Welcome back to the podcast again. You're going to be <laughs> frequenting the uh, Gamers of the Lost Ark over over the uh, well months or years that I do it because of course it's going to be natural that we play a lot of games together and do mm-hmm. a lot of things that we're both both into and have very really similar tastes when it comes to games anyway so you yeah know, and we're all full, for sure. uh, accessible so you know yeah. <laughs> yeah. but yeah welcome to the pod and i'm so happy i've got you on again i know that it's it's one of those things where it's like it's really easy for me to take for granted how brilliant you are and how amazing you are on the podcast and stuff because you're here you know, and I'm always like, oh, I've got someone do on or whatever, but, you know, the fact that you're so consistent and amazing and come on the podcast Aww. all the time, it's just brilliant, you know?
1: Thanks. <laughs> but <laughs> yes,
0: today we are doing, um, as always, a deep delve into one specific thing, but the one specific thing we're looking at today is Witcher DLC. So, Hearthstone mm-hmm. and Blood and Wine, we're going to try and cover both. We're going to see how it goes. Yeah. And hopefully, it's as amazing as we plan it to be, basically. Yeah. Um. As amazing, yeah. we uh, convey how amazing these are. Of course, I will give the same thing that I give for most of these, which is because this is so such a deep delve, we will be doing spoilers. So, yeah. if it's something that you've missed, um, Dover that you haven't played these, then please, you know, refrain from listening to this podcast until you have. Um, and if you do continue, continue at your own risk. But yes, the Witches DLCs, Kaylee has a plethora of notes to go through of amazing moments, thoughts, feelings, gameplay whatever it might be. So of course, Katie anything that comes to mind as well off the back of these notes just fire away and we'll we'll uh, get through it. But what's yeah. what's the first thing you got then?
1: <laughs> well, I mean, I have everything written down and I think you went in the same order that I went Hearthstone first mm-hmm. before Blood and Wine. And I think that's a very natural progression and I think it's just because Am I right in saying that level-wise you have to do Hearts of Stone first?
0: They well, initially to begin with Witcher came out, then Hearts of Stone came out, then Blood and yes. Wine came out. So they 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 were originally staggered releases. So yeah, I think it's always kind of it leans you more towards like you sh- yeah. I, although I think there is an option now it always leans you more towards like hey do Hearts of Stone first.
1: Yes. But I it's I think it was the better option anyway to go Hearts of Stone first. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um because it's super deep and emotional <laughs> and it's fantastic. Oh, it's so good. I can't even begin to explain how good Hearts of Stone is. Um, Unlike Blood and Wine, like, it doesn't bring you to a new area, but it just introduces you to new characters and, you know, it's just a brand new story that could be its own game. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's, I don't even know where to begin with this because it's just so amazing, but... Obviously, you get. I now, you might have to help me out here because I haven't played the DLC in a while. But how does it start again?
0: It starts with you get a contract from, um, one of old Geard's people to go slay a yes. frog. Um, yes. You, yes, you, yes. So you go to the dungeons and you go and, and you don't go and slay yourself a frog, which is cool to begin with. But then you soon realise that the frog, the frog that you've slain is is not so much a frog but a man, and that's yeah he was cursed,
1: then he shouldn't have yeah. been a frog. So yeah, yeah. Basically. I I remember the frog, and I remember from the frog onwards. But I was like, yeah. I can't remember how I got to the frog. Yeah, sure. Um, but yes, and then you get introduced to mm Hmm. Because he agrees to help you, which you know, I started the original Witcher quite a long time ago, maybe like the end of last year. So I didn't recognize him from White Orchard. But yeah. you did. You told me this. That yeah. he was from White Orchard.
0: It blew my mind. When yes. he was on that when he was on that ship and he comes up to me, I was like, No freaking way is this guy here. Mm-hmm. And the fact that like I think it's just such a fantastic thing that they took someone who, in that moment, seems so insignific- insignificant.
1: Mm-hmm. But
0: yet, when you then re study that moment of when he's like, oh, Jennifer Wengerberg, and you're like, how does this guy know? Yeah. or seem to know what's going on in some kind of way and he's just like oh I'm just a wandering trader and I had a woman who came up to you who smells like lilac and gooseberries you know and it's just like like and then now when you look at it it gives you almost the creeps that conversation of just being like oh he's like some whatever he is demon genie like that is clearly beyond the realm of time and everything else which is cool
1: yeah um, so obviously like you know I'm going to assume anyone who watches this has played it because to try and explain that all oh, would just be insane. But he's such a cool character. He's really mysterious. And to be honest, you never really figure him out, even no matter what path you go down towards the ending. Like, whether you decide to go against him or uh, fulfill his contract, you don't actually, like, really figure out what he is. Yeah. Because he's not a djinn. No. I'm sure he's not a djinn. He's,
0: he's like a genie. But, but he's not. But kind of not. He's more like demonic. And, like, yeah. uh, mischievous and tricksy. And it's like, weirdly enough, he kind of reminds me a bit of that guy from Death Note that we've been watching recently. That guy who's kind of, like, beyond uh... the realm, but he's kind of just choosing to come and be, like, have some fun with some humans, you know? Just oh, because yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, the yeah. Shinigami. Um, yeah, for sure, because there are definitely times in this DLC where you're you're looking at him and you're like, I kind of like him. And then you're like, I don't trust him. Yep. but I don't know what his motives are and I think that's why you kind of always go along the path of like I'm not sure if I want to be against him or be with him
0: and it's one one thing that's particularly cool about Gordon Dim is that like to begin with you kind of think oh wow you know like because you know you're Geralt of Rivia you're pretty like you you can handle yourself and you don't have that fear of things I think especially once you play through the entire first game that like even the Wild Hunt for example you're a bit like you know I've taken on these you know like almost space elves that have come from a completely different place that like then suddenly it dawns on especially me at one point of just being like holy shit he is terrifying like yes. he is like beyond far far beyond anything i could possibly deal with as a witcher you know like he is like deep and like s- like just scary and powerful and that's mm-hmm. really really cool and and he's like such a well-constructed villain in the fact that he's got like epic music by the way mm-hmm. every time he's ever on it does that mm-hmm. and every single time it's like oh i just creeps you out and you don't know what's going to go on and like i I would never ever ever in the the entirety of my life no matter where i go in any video game or whatever i do i think ever be as shocked as in that moment when he claps his hands and stops time completely Mm -hmm. and then puts the spoon in that guy's eye and everything it's just like it's the most mind-blowing moment Mm -hmm. of like this guy is like just terrifyingly powerful and mm-hmm. is like far beyond my reckoning of even understanding what he really is and stuff, which is just so cool. But at the same time, he also seems so like personable. And so yes. like he, he is like someone like although he I think is appearing in a human form, that like he understands the nuances of like human interaction and like how it works and how humans like like favours and all these different things that obviously he exploits, but it's just cool. It's just so cool. Yeah. Such a- for
1: sure. Yeah, so he's just a super interesting character that's there throughout. Um, You know, I think he does a really good job. And I think this um, DLC overall does a really good job of actually changing the genre really smoothly from like, kind of like that, you know, RPG to like almost horror at times Mm -hmm. to, you know, very comedic. Um, like, there's an array of motions you feel during this DLC, but it's, like, really effort effortlessly changes throughout, because I would have to say that in this DLC, it has probably two of my favorite scenes in all of video games. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, first would be, you know, the wedding. Yeah. And then the second is when you go into the painting and you're trying to find Iris van Erik or yeah. Von Everick. Um... So yeah, it's just insane. But like obviously we have to go back to you, um All Geared first yes. too, because you yeah. you can't just say about Gonter and then not go onto All Geared because he and I love this character. I really, really love him. Also, he's Ginger David Beckham, I have to say. Yeah. He is honestly he looks so like David Beckham except Ginger. And that <laughs> was always very funny to me. Um, but when you get over that, <laughs> he um because you just come into it thinking he's just an asshole. Like, he's just a dick. Yeah. But you know that there's something going on at the start because he's like, um, he's basically immortal and he can't die and stuff. But you just are kind of like, oh, what pact did he um, agree to with um, Gontor Odeon? He must have just been an asshole looking for riches or all this type of stuff. But how wrong was my assumption? Mm-hmm in it because I just think that his story is so unbelievably emotionally charged.
0: Yep.
1: Um you just go from thinking he's such an asshole to then seeing when you're in the painting with Iris and you're going through his whole life and you're seeing like everything he did was actually for a good reason and he tried to make sacrifices like to follow his heart and he wasn't actually a terrible guy.
0: And he was actually because of his where he was born or what he was like yes. that her family didn't want her with him and saw him as lesser and you can't marry this guy kind of thing and he's not a, a noble and all this kind of stuff which is yeah you know, really and it's deep.
1: hard like it's one of those things where like Witcher we've always we've had a few of these discussions where Witcher is never black and white it's always gray so it's never just like you know you can see why he did what he did and he came from like a place of being discriminated against because of his class or where he grew up. Yeah. So of course he was going to try and you know follow his heart, marry the lovers of his life, and then try and get wealth and royalty. Yeah. Um but what it made him is what's terrifying. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. But yeah, it's it's just super cool. Um do you remember what the three things that um Geralt had to do.
0: Yeah, he had to get someone's house. Yes. Yeah, that was the house. Oh my gosh, what else did he have and
1: to do? And then it was all gear he wanted he, his brother to have a good time. He had
0: to he had to give his brother the best night of his life. Yes. Um which obviously is charged with the fact that his brother's dead.
1: The And then it was something to do with Iris, wasn't it?
0: yes he had to get the flower that he gave her yes that's... that you wouldn't be able to receive from her you know because he knew that she was you know unavailable and and i think because i'm guessing he must have known that, like the caretaker and stuff was there and all sorts that he kind of put that challenge on you so yes. it's three impossible tasks he gives Geralt that of course because Geralt manages to do um
1: with the help of gondro
0: Yes, yeah, with the help of Gontra who's the puppet master of this entire thing. Like he has his fingers in what Geralt now has to do. He also has his has his fingers in like uh what happened with with um Ogierd and his brother and everything else. Yeah. Um and it's he he's this like background i like the fact that i always like this as well And they do it really well in in god of war as well where they have people in the like uh, like characters that are not present and it, when people aren't present it gives them like a gravitas that when they're on the screen all the time and when they're doing stuff all the time that like it's i love that he's there in these little moments but yes. he's not like he's more of like this you know monster under the closet because it's always more scary when you can't see him it's always more scary yes. when you don't know that they're there but they're also kind of watching and like that's what's cool you know and it, it's cool that like all geared and his story ends up like being so intertwined with with gontro dim but also is so individual as well which like for a dlc you'd think oh, hey like defeating all gontro dim would probably be the main task you know but realistically it's not it's about it's about a journey of discovery of like finding mm-hmm. out like they they subvert expectations where they like you to think you're, you know what's up as a player. You're like this guy's a dick, like you said, but actually he's not, you know. Or it's not even that he's not because he is in so many ways. But, he is,
1: but it's as I said, it's that morally grey area yes. where it's like, oh, he's not really completely a dick though. Mm-hmm. Yep,
0: and that's really cool that they mess with that and that they play with that and they do that even in like the little things, like this, like you know they do that throughout Blood and Wine as well that we'll get to, but, like, yeah, mm-hmm. you know, this is this is just... it. Oh, it's just so good that they do that all the time, and that's where, like, I guess in the main story as opposed to this, there's way less and more ambiguity or anything like that. It's way more like there is the Wild Hunt who are very, very bad, and they are coming for series power. You know, it's very, like, oh, yeah, all right, Sound that's you know, I know what the task is. Although there's morally ambiguous bits in it, but, like, I mean, the main, main thing. But this is, like you can see that Gontro Gaw- right, Dim is kind of right that he is being cheated out of his, you know, variable contract to a degree by Olgid and all this kind of stuff, but he, oh, he- It's
1: hard to say because Gontro <laughs> Dim is also cheating people out of their souls by saying, yes, I will grant you these things, but there are conditions he doesn't tell them about.
0: Yes, yeah. Yeah, small So,
1: <laughs> yeah. And there's a lot of that going on. Mm-hmm. So it's never, like, literally, I could... like. I remember starting this DLC, and you honestly just think, ah, are doing some genie. He's been tricked, like out of stuff by Allgeard. Olguir All is just an asshole, so we'll just end up killing Geard. No, that's definitely not what happened. At least it definitely didn't happen in my playthrough. Um, but yeah, it's so cool. I want to run to the wedding. Can I please just talk about the wedding? Because yeah, I'm to like dying. I think to you ex- can't go to this. the
0: wedding without stopping off at Sharni first. And that's just. Oh, I think- of course. I I do
1: have a whole section on Shani
0: yeah I think that you I'd stop off on Shani first then go to the wedding because she's so intrinsic to the wedding
1: that is true I love her she's amazing (laughs) and I you know I'm gonna get all passionate here go for it I literally and this is the thing I have only one Witcher character or Witcher uh, figurine at home and it is Shani right now I'm going to get more but I saw Shani in a shop and I was like out of all the things I need in my life I need that right now because I just love Shani but I love her. I think she she's such a lovely character. She I think she's a great role model as a character. Yeah. Um, because she's not... um She doesn't have any magic powers. She's not a sorceress. I think she's one of the only females in the whole game who doesn't rely on magic or power or anything like that. She can purely rely on her intelligence.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And she's not a dick about it either. She's not like, oh, I'm smarter than you. She never has that. She's very much like... I studied my ass off so I can help people. Yeah. Um yeah. you know, and she's also extremely loyal. She's extremely loyal to Geralt. She's extremely loyal to her vocation, which is to go out and heal people. Um, which I think can be seen. She doesn't re I know she um serves the Redanians, but it's not even because she like has a side in the war. It's because she's like, my calling is to help and heal people, to help and that's what really I'm gonna are.
0: do and they do something really excellent with her which puts you straight i didn't remember it but i remember it now really quite fondly and that's that when you first meet her you are in the sewers fighting the frog and you see that the frogs killed people that she clearly was close to Uh, even potentially it's hinted at that she may have been with or whatever that like she like it's it's just like for for gerald it's it, or for you know as the player it's like interesting to see the fact that she genuinely is sad at these people dying and genuinely cared and said like hey you know i reloaded after him and all this kind of stuff and it resets the precedence for a character where like i think as opposed to a yennefer or someone else they're very like focused on the world at a large or bigger mm-hmm. more and it's nice that someone's like focused on you know like in that moment it's just a great testament to shani's character of being like hey no she cares about like everybody like little individual people not just the the greater world or just sorcerers or just emperors or anything like that like she cares about like everyone and that makes her really like endearing and lovely um yeah which i think is just really really cool and i think that she's just a really well-constructed character
1: which is kind of rare in the witcher universe to say about someone isn't it yeah (laughs) there's no one that's normally just like a really good person yes where she is a really good person she thinks I just love the way she thinks like even towards the end where if you romance her and then you can you have the option for a girl to be like oh please don't go and she's like "Um, I have to go and she thinks with her head yeah. and she's like even she knows she's like look if I choose my heart that's not the right thing we both know it's not the right thing yeah because like you know I, I remember that conversation really well she says something along the lines of she's like I need someone that will stay with me
0: yeah, not who's going to be going off and doing witch contracts all the time and be going for months at a time. and.
1: Yeah, yeah, so she can be really logical and be like, look, I could easily just, you know, stay with you and stuff, but I know that that's not my life calling and I won't feel fulfilled with my life, yeah. which is very brave. I think that's a very brave thing to do because not everyone would.
0: Yeah, and, it, and it's cool because usually in the romance situations, like let's say with Yennefer and Triss, you mm-hmm. choose the outcome. Rather than with that, she very much says, look, girl you know let's be honest for the both of us here as much as we have a connection and we clearly care about each other we're not right for each other you know because i want someone who's coming home every night and you want you know someone who's going to be happy with you going off and coming back and this and that the other and you know being free and that's cool that she kind of takes that and it's and and weirdly enough it was possibly you know and, and and there really is quite a few emotional moments for me in regards to the to the um romances that you can do in this game but that particularly for me was like made me feel really somber made me feel kind Mm. of sad for Geralt because I'm like I thought like oh wow like he never is gonna have that in regards to just be able to come home and have his kind of you know stay at home or like not stay at home wife but like that kind of like you know life partner you know because of his lifestyle
1: true but does he want it
0: Oh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, but I think there's always a... Because, again, which is very grey. There's always a part of you that does. There's always a part of you that wants that, regardless of how much of a, a free bird you are. There's always that part of you is like, hey, I wish I could just settle down. You know, I wish I could yeah. just live out. And I'm sure that I can almost imagine, I know this is kind of getting quite in the weeds here, but I can almost imagine, like, a starry night, Geralt's lay on some bedroll under a tree somewhere and looks up at the stars and thinks to himself, oh, man, like, I wish I could just have like a normal life you know he's like drenched in blood he's just killed a bruxa you know got all this kind of stuff going on and he just thinks like i wish i could just sort of just live a normal life with someone like shani you know
1: true but i think if he had it you wouldn't want it it's yeah. always that thing of you want what you can't have yeah for sure and i think that's why Triss or yennefer suits him
0: oh yeah for sure yeah but again it's just cool because she she is uh like really self-contained as a character mm-hmm. and she's like helpful and lovely and caring and and she has like I would say like spice but in like a more natural way than a Yennefer
1: yeah like she I just remember the scene where you're trying to find that professor and she like stands up to the guards yeah and it's not even hostile it's just you know she's just able to be like look I study here I'm you know you know, well-acclaimed here, so I need to get in. And Mm -hmm. they're kind of like, oh, well, yeah. Yeah. And she doesn't have to force her way. She doesn't have to result to violence. She doesn't have to do anything like that. She's just a lovely character who relies on, you know, her own skills. Yeah. Which aren't magical or indifferent or unique. Obviously being like, like intelligent, I think in that universe as well, like going to, like having studied in the University of Oxford is probably a really big accolade. Yeah. But she's proud of that and she's very like sure of herself. I think that's the thing. She's very confident, but not cocky.
0: Yeah, and I think that also to to go back to that romance scene just one more time in regards to I just spoke about it from Carol's point of view, speaking of it from hers, it's like an interesting moment of like, you know, I personally haven't been here but I know that there would certainly be people who would like let's say for example are more academic or have done things like that and then they end up sort of let's say having a connection with someone who they know is no good for them or like you've had like and there was that kind of moment for her where she was like okay this is the last time I'm going to be going hey let's just sleep with Gerald." like mm-hmm. it's like she was like okay I'm going to grow from this now like this is the yes. last time I do this this is the last time I let myself be sort of under a spell of someone who I know is gonna be off, and you know isn't you know necessarily in love with me or you know in that same way, you know. So it's it's cool as like it's cool to leave her on that moment. Although you see her again later on, that you that you it's cool to leave that kind of her and Geralt at that moment of her taking charge and being like, hey, you know, I ain't gonna be one of your um, one nighters mm-hmm. anymore. <laughs> I'm off yeah, to go sure. to go and, and find something more meaningful. But it's not, and, and like you say, you know how you said she was with the guards. It wasn't as if she was like telling Geralt off. She was just like, hey, this is. I'm now like, you know, I'm confident enough of it myself, and I'm like, though it's sad for me, I am not going to be doing this anymore. You know, mm-hmm. and that's and that's cool. I like that.
1: Yes, super cool. But yes. Very good. We should have stopped off with Shani. You were right, but I definitely need to talk about the wedding. I'm very so bursting with excitement you because meet I just Shani love
0: Shani
1: at this scene. the wedding.
0: Yes, at the wedding. Um.
1: Yes. Yeah, so uh, Gerald obviously has to go and reawaken Vladimir, who's um, all geared right <laughs> <What a great laughs> from his uh, ghostly slumber. <laughs> yeah, and honestly, he's one of the most well-written characters in a video game for the comedic effect it was so funny like I've I can't remember laughing this much at a scene in a video game in such a long time because he has to possess a girl's body but like the way he does he's such a really flamboyant cocky character who like is so over the top in certain ways like some yeah. of the stuff he says to Shani especially is just so funny he's like ooh my little raspberry and yeah, you yeah. know you're just like what are you doing and then like you just end up loving him you really end up like taking to the yes. character because at first you're like oh he's a bit of a cocky asshole isn't he but then like yeah. as you go you're like I love him I just absolutely love him but like even like the way Geralt ends up walking as um yeah you like he he has this like cocky walk yes Um, and and it's it's
0: there's nuance to everything to do with him and i love the fact that he is a great example of like uh let's say like a captain jack sparrow where you know that like realistically he's not really very nice and he would betray you and there's all these different things about him that you think like oh god you're an asshole but because you know he's so unbelievably himself and he can't just help but be himself. You know, like, you know, like when, you know, Captain Jack kind of like, you just, he's going to rob it. You know, he's going to rob it. You know, kind of like, there's that bit of his head head that's like, I shouldn't do this. But he's like, but I'm me and I'm going to do it. You know, like, yeah. goodbye. And that's kind of like what he's like as well, where he's like, I am, like, he knows he's a dick, but he kind of like owns it. And he's like, I've slept with hundreds of women and I'm such a, you know, I'm a stud and all this kind of stuff. But yeah. it's, it's what makes him so great is the fact that he has to bring um possess geralt's body but he is uh, like in like like he's in contrast to geralt in such a way where that it makes it so funny to see geralt's cuz cuz clearly and this is an absolute testament to the guy that plays geralt because he plays this guy possessing Geralt in Geralt's voice and does it fucking excellent like That's does it bit. perfect where he like it you can tell that it's just another guy in Geralt's body and it's just amazing and like how he how he like you know he says oh like like Shani's like can I talk to Geralt and he's like oh but the witch is such a bore he's like come yeah. on you know you're gonna want to talk to him. you know you're having a better night with me than you're having with him and you can even go down that route you know like where like it, it really messes with like how it, it kind of helps Geralt to be a little bit more like let loose and like learn from him in some weird way even though he's such a dick it's like so weird yeah. so it's so excellently constructed and every little moment is is just full of like, absolutely brimming with character albeit Mm -hmm. Geralt, Shani, or him, or even the individual people at this wedding and how all their little individual scenarios are great and how he's like, oh, I'll jump in the river. I'm a fucking, you know, I'm a legend and I'll do this. And, you know, he does all these things or fights people or whatever he does. He's just, it's just, oh, it's such an excellent, excellent piece of storytelling.
1: And like, oh, I'll never forget it. Like, it always will be pictured in my brain, especially if you lost Gwent to the dwarves. And you have to put those weird rabbit ears on. And then he starts, like, Geralt will start walking then, like Vladimir, where he has these his hands on his hips. And he's, like, <laughs> yeah. walking along with these rabbit ears. He's just like, what? Yeah. And Shani, and it's really funny because Shani plays, she's such a class woman because she plays along. She's so loyal to Geralt where she's like, look, I'll play along and stuff. And uh, she also tries to, like, tap into Vladimir's, like, kind of, kinder side or like more emotional side and she's like trying to like bring him off his high horse and talk to him as who he is and she's like well why would you be doing that and stuff and he's like but i'm great and then she's like you know
0: but it's cool because it, it shows so much about shani where like it's like she's and, and weirdly enough she reminds me of you here where like she like you know how if you're in a scenario where you just had someone who was just such an like a a, a dick who was flirting with you you'd almost be a bit like oh yeah is that right is it you know because she's kind yeah. of like that as well where she kind of plays that kind of like she almost finds it funny that he's chancing his arm with her so much and yeah. all that kind of stuff you know and she almost is like all right fair play to you. you are actually being quite funny and like coming on to me right now or whatever you know like but because c- she's not like let's say for example if it was someone else, they'd be like really hostile and like yes. really like yeah, fuck off you know Or well, then i know there's like the moment i think there's a moment where he kind of kisses her or whatever isn't it where he's like he goes a bit too far um
1: yeah that is true but i think she's a little bit conf- conflicted because she's like it's also gerald and she's yes. like i don't mind a kiss from gerald but i don't particularly want to be kissed by Vladimir. Yeah. but i want to kiss gerald so yeah
0: yeah and there's all that going on as well where she's kind of like it's because it's almost like he is Geralt that she finds it that kind of way as well, you know, where she's like, oh, it's almost like Geralt letting loose and stuff. And then when Geralt comes back out of it, she's almost like, she almost says like, you should line up a bit more, shouldn't you realistically? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's just great character development for everyone. You know,
1: I think, I just think that like scene is so well constructed, like I, and you can play for a good chunk of time. Yeah. Like it's not just like a fleeting scene that happens. It's like one of those that you can really, really, Really like immerse yourself in and revel in how funny it is and like yeah. all the characteristics of it. So I'm just like well done to the developers on making it that way because it's so yeah, good. Um, and then it's kind of like almost you because you get so attached to Vladimir, you get yeah. so attached to him. Uh, how much of a dick he is, but how funny he is, and then you start caring about him. And gondorodim shows up, and this is I think the first moment you realize Gondoradim is probably an evil bastard, like, <laughs> because. He ends up, you know. I remember this being like almost a tad distressing that he ends up like causing Vladimir, like because Vladimir is like, I want to stay and I want to have a good, like I want to yeah. keep having a good night, and then Gontardim kind of is like, our like our part of our deal is like fulfilled, so back to like your grave with you, and he causes like he starts torturing him. Yeah. It's like, and I don't know how. It's almost like um. God, I don't, I can't believe I'm saying this, but we watched Twilight recently and that's why, you know, you're one Jane in Twilight where she just looks at people and they just start suffering in pain. Yes, yeah. It was like that. And you, you like, I genuinely was like, oh my God, don't do that to Vladimir. I was like, he's so lovely, stop it. I was like, mm-hmm. you know, and you start really getting distressed for him and then he's gone and you're a bit like, oh my God, you just got it so attached to this character.
0: Yeah, and, and it's cool because they they do such an excellent piece of storytelling for all Geared via him where he talks yes. about his brother and he talks about how great he is and he talks about yeah. he's such a fine man and you know oh me and like he would always would like often say at random points like oh me and all Geared used just do this like we used to get drunk yes. and do these things and there's something that's so great about how he gives so much depth to all Geared as well and then finding out what happened with him and all Geared, and the fact that really yeah. he thought that he died honorably or whatever or died because he got jumped or whatever it was but really it was
1: all geared had but that's also Gondar kind of doing yeah that's into, it exactly uh, that's where it's morally grey again because you're like all geared made that choice but it's also like really arse holy of Gondar to make yes. to give him that choice so you're a bit yeah. like Ugh. yeah um so that Algird could be with Iris instead, because it was either kill Iris or kill all uh Vladimir. Yeah, because
0: you must choose one of the people that yeah. you love or whatever it was. Yeah, it was it was really tough. And like but it, it's almost you know, feel I feel sad for him because I'm like, oh, he thinks that Algird didn't do that, but he did. And it's just like, yeah. oh, it's just really sad for him, really, you know.
1: Yeah, and then he just ends up in pain at the end of it. And mm-hmm. I yeah, I, I was like, Oh my god, this is actually really tough, like. This is yeah. a really tough watch, and that's yeah. As I said, when you find out Gondoradim is not a good person, not that you thought he was a good person, but now you're like, now he's a bit. He's probably like getting along all geared levels of cynical. Yeah,
0: you yeah. Know. There's there's difference. There's a difference between someone being, uh, uh let's say sketchy or bad guy, and being evil. And that's yes. when you first see the evil and you're like, oh, okay, because he kind of like, I thought it sort of seemed like he was like, push, like pushing into hell or something, like kind of like taking his spirit to like hell or weird like that. And then he like was suffering and then he ends up like removing him back to where he was, back to the crypt or wherever it was that he was originally in. Because mm-hmm. you can choose as Gerald to tell him to stop and stuff like that.
1: Yeah. Which I did I couldn't I was like seven. yeah yeah I was like leave him alone
0: because as flawed as he is he's a, he is himself and he is such a great mm-hmm. character and it's just such an amazing scene and all the little brilliant pieces of storytelling that are in there and the little bits and all the characters you interact with are all great as well and, and weirdly enough like The Witcher does this at, at times where like it really feels like you're at a party. Or really yes. feels like you're actually there, and there's times where you just totally lose yourself, and you can hear the music in the background. You're going around, you almost feel like you're a bit drunk and stuff as you're going around. Yeah. Like I think, like that's just where video games are just so excellent at just like end up doing, yeah, it, you making
1: know? you feel immersed in a story, yeah, yeah, yeah 100%. so effortlessly, so so good. It's really funny because that's one of the the conditions that Geralt had to fulfil for mm. Gonterodium. The second condition when he had to get the house thing is less prominent in my mind because i just felt it was like less emotionally charged yeah you had less time
0: it was cool because you had to get do that whole like it's a bit uh you know the 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 heist you know it's like you have to plan the heist and everything which is cool which yeah it is it's very cool and the
1: characters that you get introduced to very briefly yes exactly
0: that's the problem you don't get to really sit in the tank with any of them and then the thing happens with the two brothers at the end and stuff and it's all just a bit like oh well yeah i kind of understand that and you know but it's it's more like it feels more like a side quest rather than what that bit does with the wedding and everything is it really makes you feel like you get to know Geralt better you get to know shani better you get to enjoy yourself and it's just it's like what what these dlcs do as we go through the rest of this now and i have to say this is that no matter where you are or what you're doing at any point you never ever ever know what they're going to do gameplay wise next and that's so Mm -hmm. great it's great to be on that like wow like the fact that you're you're playing like you're playing an open world rpg in which you can go into a, a like a forest and fight like spriggans and stuff you know like you Mm -hmm. can go into and do crazy stuff like that and here you are just walking around a party and you're having just as much fun as any of that other stuff just as much fun as when you slay a giant beast or when you like you know the battle of ken you know like stuff like that like i would probably say this is better than the battle of ken you know Mm -hmm. because it's just it's so brilliantly told and it's just so excellent and they do this throughout like all the different gameplay things you think that you know wouldn't be in even in a game like this that that they end up put it in there and it just works it's just so good because the characters are so fucking excellent
1: yeah unbelievably good so so good the witcher is oh I could just sit here and just tell you all day long the witcher is just such a masterpiece yes but also moving on to the third obligation Geralt had to go it and was to get that rose yes that Algird had given his wife mm-hmm. and to my understanding did everyone think she was dead
0: I don't know, really. It's, that's kind of left open to interpretation too, isn't it? But
1: Yeah. yeah. But you were like, oh my God, this this is honestly one of the most phenomenal pieces of gameplay I've ever experienced. Yep. You arrive at the All, Allgeard's estate, which is dilapidated, run down, and you immediately, you're like, this is so creepy. Like just from the off, you're just like, it's really creepy vibe. You enter, and then I think you get introduced to the weird cat yeah. and then the dog. And you're like, there's a weird cat and dog. They talk to you and you're like, what's going on? This is Mm -hmm. weird. This is odd. This is strange. Then, (laughs) I'll never forget this as long as I live. You kind of come up this path to the garden at the back and you see this dude and he's like, I don't, he's kind of like a hooded figure bent over and you're like, oh my God. And then he turns and I remember being proper terrified. Like, I'm not good with horror. I'm not good with scary stuff. But this thing freaked me out. Like, this yeah. freaked me out. So, um, this dude, who's was known as the gatekeeper. You have to fight him. He's hard. He's actually really difficult caretaker. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The caretaker. Yeah. Uh, he's really hard. And he's, he's terrifying. And I was, like, screaming all the way through it. Because <laughs> I was, like, it's just so terrifying. Yeah. It was almost, like, kind of, like, a hooded creepy wraith mixed with slender man
0: yes but what they do so excellently in that bit like you said as you go in is they build it they like build yeah. the moments where they're like oh like it's it's so cool because like you see the cat and you're be like that was weird why is it looking at me why is it not saying anything mm-hmm. and it kind of like walks off and it's like misty and like they play the music so weird and then you hear that like of him digging and you're like oh what is that that's strange that's uh, yeah. what is this and then the like it plays this kind of like slightly like orchestral violiny like horror noise when you he turns his head the Mm -hmm. i I have to say on the second time didn't even it didn't really like strike me in the same way but that first time i was filled with the deepest level of uncomfortable fear of just being like what is
1: that
0: and then i was just like oh and then it looked at me and Mm -hmm. came at me and it just doesn't give you any time to think and you're just like
1: whoa yeah there's a lot of button button mashing yes because you're so scared like you don't have a moment to think um Mm -hmm. And I was just like, that freaked me out. That so freaked me out. And then it just continues after, obviously then the cat and dog come and talk to you about what's going on. And I was like, what is happening? Because there's like this, like you're you're kind of your dreadlands going at this point. <laughs> and you're kind of like, this is not what I expected. I don't know what's going on. There's a cat and dog talking to me. This dude, this creepy dude just attacked me. And then it just gets so much better from there. It gets so yeah. much better. It really catches your attention. So you end up having to go into a painting that Iris Van Everick painted cuz she was that was Algirdas' wife yeah she was into painting so i don't know how you get in there
0: well or initially how... you go to you go through the house which again the, the, during this bit they really build on the creepy you know like, you go there's lots of cracks you sort of feel like you hear things in the house but it kind of doesn't make sense and then you're like going around and like then you, you suddenly you go into a corridor where you get attacked by wraiths that look like her oh, um, yeah. as you go through the corridor oh, which which are really weird because it comes initially they come out of a, f- a painting of her face like so it's just yes. weird and then they attack you in the corridor and you go and you find her actual dead body Mm -hmm. um where she's in the bed and that's when you Geralt then establishes that her like spirit because you go to pick up the flower it disintegrates yes and then Geralt then establishes oh it's her soul that's unhappy it's her soul like because he does this with wraiths a lot throughout the game where like if there's a wraith that's disturbed you almost have to like find out what their reason is and then put them to rest Mm -hmm. which is cool it's like a really cool thing that Geralt can do that like and then he realizes that she's a she's at rest and then you know the dog and the cat say like hey you need to get us out of this because we're stuck in this perpetual state of like having to be here because you know and you don't even find out who they are or what they are or anything like that they just they just said
1: that they're from another world and they need to be freed and as long as her soul isn't happy or her soul isn't free or something that they're Mm -hmm. stuck there but yeah i did forget about that babe and you 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 have to bring something of hers that is like meaningful to her too. Her, you have to bury her. I think I'm yes. something with her, and then yeah. you get absorbed into this painting she had made.
0: Yeah,
1: and it's really phenomenal. Um, kind of taking you through the stages of what happened with her and Allgard's relationship and how things led to the way they did. And because I'm not really, I kind of. And I think everyone is similar to a degree that, you know, those whole throwback scenes that you have to do in video games, you're a little bit like, oh, I'm Flashback. a little bit over this. Right. Yeah. There's times where I can be like, oh, they're very samey. Yeah. Um, But I think they just did this so well that I was like, oh, loved it. Absolutely loved this whole thing. And you start seeing, you know, how their relationship changed because she was very carefree and, you mm-hmm. know, just in love and young and you know she wanted to paint and she was like let's do things together and you could see the weight of stuff on his mind because he was like I'm not good enough for you because of my class and I have to try and think of all these other things to you know get your parents' respect and stuff yeah um um but even like how you get the the memories to unlock kind of it's like you have to like wander around the area and pick up Pieces like pick up items and then like arrange them in a way that suits the setting so say if there was a paintbrush on the ground you had to pick it up and give it to iris who is like frozen still painting yeah um which i just think was really interesting and then once you put everything in their place then it unlocks the actual yeah like
0: everything at the dinner table and stuff like that you have to like put things back where they belong and then it kind of plays out this scene which is cool and it's cool because you kind of walk in and everything's like frozen in time and weird and like doesn't make any sense and then suddenly they all like come to life yeah. um and it, it just uh, it's just great visual storytelling as well because it kind of shows you like the situations they were in and like gives you a kind of like and in, in, although you're a bystander there's something about that and i think you're w- what you're saying is right like there's a difference between going back to a, a like a memory or something and being shown it as opposed to walking through it yourself yeah. and being able to discover it yourself and see things or having and, like, to
1: piece it together yourself. yes
0: that's it it's cool it's like it kind of feels like and and that's what it makes uh, like old gear so deep because you find out all this stuff about him but also yes. you can see how their relationship broke down all this kind of stuff it's just
1: yeah but it's kind of like awful because you can see how she loves him and she kind yeah. of is like I think from my perspective she was very much like I don't get I don't care about anything else because our love is what matters so it shouldn't matter but it, it was all weighing on him yeah and she You could see her giving him the benefit of the doubt when she's like, "Oh, let's do this together," and he's like, "Oh, I'm busy," and he'll lock himself in his room, and she'd be like, "Oh, okay," and you know, she gives him lots of leeway because she loves him, and she's like, "Oh, you know, he just needs to be alone, or he just needs this," and Mm -hmm. you feel so sorry for her. Like it's just as as it goes on, you just feel like, "Oh my god, this poor woman," and then I think at some point she. I don't know if she sees it or you have to go in and you figure out what Algeard's doing. He's summoning or he's made the you find out either he's made the um pact with Gontorodium. Yeah. And then he's like trying to keep him away cuz he's scared. Is that what happened?
0: And he ends up becoming that soulless Algeard that you know now, you know.
1: Yeah, you see that transition and it's really really cool. Really yeah. really cool.
0: And it's just like the thing that it plays out is a a great, like, and I say great as in it's it's a great storytelling, but it's really sad. It's like a, it plays through, like almost piece by piece, someone's heartbreaking, and it's yeah. really sad. And like you go through that, and that's something that's like almost tough to be a bystander and watch and stuff. And it's so understandable because, what he like, you know how sometimes in life you know there's two people that are just like good people uh, but they they fall in love and then they just aren't right for each other or something Mm -hmm. changes or whatever that it kind of feels like that and you just feel sorry for them because you're just like oh shit you two are hurting each other but you're not actually bad people and you're both doing it for the right reasons you're both like on different life paths and whatever it is and i think that like it's just sad it's just sad in the end you know
1: it is it's really sad because he he sacrificed a lot to be with her just to like even though I can't really remember, like, would he have still been able to be with her if he didn't have money? I don't know. I can't really remember. But, um, you know, he sacrificed his brother. He yeah. sacrificed basically his soul. Like, his, yeah. he put his soul on the line. Um, The only thing I find really interesting is even as you see his transition from being that, like, unemotional person, even though he gets to a point where he's pretty much, like, heartless and, like... Almost, kind of evil. He still recognizes that she's important to him.
0: Yeah, because but it's can't like it's it's this quite... weird kind of point of view, and I think everybody could probably relate to this to a degree, where it's like if you've had depression or you feel that kind of stuff that like there's times where you're like sat at christmas or you're sat at somewhere you should be having fun and you can recognize that you should be having fun you can mm-hmm. see it but you'll you feel like you're in a bubble like you're on the outside of it and that's what they do so excellent where like you can see that he's in turmoil as well because he's like you know it's like me like in that kind of emotionless thing saying like i want to love you but i can't and it's really frustrating me that I can't, but I can't really even feel frustrated either. Like, and there's nothing worse than feeling nothing.
1: <laughs> yeah, for sure. And like, he's summoning, like he summoned the caretaker to look after the grounds. He summoned yeah. the cat and the dog to keep her company because he was like, he could clearly see she was lonely,
0: yeah. but she
1: was lonely for him yes, and for exactly. his emotion. She wasn't lonely, but you could tell that he, even though he's not grasping that, he knows that she's important and has to supply stuff for her, but just he's not doing it in the right way. And it's just really heartbreaking because she ends up traumatized and is just like, what is happening? Like, I'm living in this hellhole. Yeah. Like, she is almost living in hell. Like, she, he's summoning demons to look after her, like, <laughs> you know? And um, even up to then, like, she's still, like, you can tell she's, like, a, an emotional soul. Yeah. And you can see her whittling down as time goes by mm-hmm. and it's just so horrible and then when you actually do get to meet her soul it's just really horrible you can just tell how broken she is Yeah. and even when you know Gerald walks through the door and she turns around and she went oh you're not him after everything she's been through with him and yeah. you're just like oh mm. oh my god you poor woman you've just been and like even trying to barter with her to get the flower Um, I know there was a few ways you can do it um, but I chose to take the flower from her and she was like this is all I have left of him and I was like oh my heart I was like I was yeah. like how do I do this um and then I freed her soul because I was just you know it's just one of those things where it's like I, I was conflicted because I didn't know how it would go I was like if her soul if her soul stays alive could if Algird was fixed would he ever be able to visit her you know that type of thing but yeah. I was like realistically that probably wouldn't happen and she's just suffering
0: yeah and it's and it's like the the thing i think that especially it's like attached itself to you so much and it did it with me as well to go wrong but i just think it's it's just so it's so powerful this bit because it's shakespearean and there's something about mm-hmm. like when when romeo and juliet die you're like this just shouldn't have been why why yeah. has this happened and it leaves you almost with a greater sense of attachment to it than it does about like, if it's a happy ever after, and they make it back together, and this it's like this kind of it stays with you, and it's a tragedy. it's a it's mm-hmm. Shakespearean it is a Shakespearean tragedy of like her life never had resolve. She never was anything but heartbroken, and she was suffered mm-hmm. for so long, you know, and you just think to yourself like this just messed up that someone could even have to go through this, you know, and mm-hmm. it's and it's really grim. and like you said, even that moment when she turns around, it's still this kind of distant, sad longing and ugh, it's just really horrible but you know yeah. it's it, it again it like within this story it is its own story and is also so heartbreaking and it kind of gets you to the point where you realize you know okay old made a lot of mistakes but what they do so well here is that depending on how deep you look you could go and blame old for this you know, yes. you could easily come out of this going, going fuck Olgid, like fuck what he's done to her. But you could also if you take it that step deeper and see what was behind behind it. And that was all Gonro Dim yeah. and his choices and his his things that made Olgid go in these different directions. And of course it was Olgid who made that choice to begin with, to, to go to Gonro Dim. So you could easily go out either way. And I like the fact that there's that that ambiguity. There's that
1: Yeah, like, you don't really know who started it because yeah. you're just like you know, what will you go to to try and better your life or to make your wife happy, but, mm-hmm. you know, fucking up in that choice. Or is it Gondro Dim who promised him this, that and the other, but then tricked him? Yeah. It's hard to say.
0: Yes. And that's cool that they leave you with that and that you're just mm-hmm. like, oh, and I think the whole of the story and the way it wraps up and everything is, is like kind of a tragedy, you know, in the mm-hmm. same way where it's like sad.
1: Yeah. But I think it leads to the then when you have to go and make the choice when you finally if you fix all that stuff and you, you're you there and you're standing with Gondorodium and you're standing with all geared and you have to make the choice of who do, whose side do I choose yeah you there's a lot of weight on that choice because there's it's never been clear who's in the wrong and who's in the right no and the witcher's really good at that like the witcher's really good like oh my god the amount of times I've saved before a choice because I'm too mm-hmm. scared of how it's going to turn yeah. out because you just don't know and sometimes saving both of her hand in The Witcher doesn't matter because it depends on your choices that from the start of the game.
0: Yep, yeah. because at like, the oh end of the God. day, and I don't necessarily disagree with this, and and I genuinely, when I played it for the second time, planned to take Gontro Dim's way because I was going to. Get, you know, the first time I I went and I ended up saving Elgid, but the second time I was like, oh, I'm going to choose the Gauntro time this because I'll just see what it's like. But I still couldn't. I still I still chose to save. Oh gears because i just felt so sorry for him but there is very much that you know is it it, there's a lot of it just in in human life that you think you think you look at someone and you think wow they are what they are because of their own choices but you also still feel sorry for them yeah yeah i think there's
1: like i well this is my opinion on it is that when you see a human suffering and stuff you're kind of like look i want to end their suffering like and i don't mean kill them i mean yeah yeah um I think you always think the good in someone that they have a chance to repent or whatever. Yes. Where I think if you chose the life of Gaunter O'Dim, who seems to be some sort of demon, Mm -hmm. he's not a good person. He's not going to have mercy for people.
0: But I think either way, it's nothing to do with choosing Gaunter. It's to do with choosing whether you think that fuck Gear, because he made this choice himself, or Mm -hmm. I'm going to help Gear to realize that, you know, all right, you've been through enough, you know, and and yeah. and you know, it's it's that kind of do you with like with an alcoholic or something? Do you think fuck him. He's selfish. He's made this choice himself. He's he's gone too far. He's done these things, you know. He was the I didn't force the bottle to his to his mouth, you know, all these different things. Or do you go, "Hey, I know you've done all this stuff wrong. I know that you've made these choices. I know that really the only reason you have even done that in the first place was because you loved her so much and all this kind of stuff, and you were worried. Mm-hmm. And you know, you do. It's a, it's real. Like you know, it's a yeah. uh, like almost like a, a like a, a deep uh, philosophical choice and conversation.
1: It have. really is, but I love it. I love yeah.
0: that. Yeah, very, um, very good.
1: I also chose Olga to save mm-hmm. him. Yeah, which. You know, I I looked up the Gondorodium choice, and it's very much like, look, he just takes his soul, and then the only thing is the options that Gondorodium offers you, especially if you haven't finished the the main quest. Um.
0: Yeah, which is cool when you told me this. Yeah.
1: Yeah, if you haven't finished the main storyline and haven't found Siri, Gondor, if you choose Gondorodium, he will give you a list of stuff if he's like look do you want um a reward and then he is like help me find siri and then he gives you options and he's like to you know the way with siri uh how the ending of the witcher 3 plays out with whether siri dies or she beats the wild hunt and then if she becomes emperor if she becomes a witcher um dim gives you hints about how to go about treating her yeah. And I was like, that blew my mind. I was like, wow, that's insane. This game is in,
0: in, in, impeccably deep.
1: Yeah. um, Which is super cool. And I was like, that is cool. However, picking to side with Allgeard unlocks then the whole final mission.
0: Which is super, super cool.
1: So unbelievably good because... ODM. He reminds me a bit of Gollum in a way, where Gollum can't be reasoned with, but if you like challenge him to a riddle or yes. something, he's like, yeah, "Oh, yeah. I can't, I can't turn down a riddle." He likes um, a battle of
0: wits, and yes. and you know that's where you you end up finding that out. You go to that place with that poor guy that's inside of the the thing that can't move because he's so scared of Gonterodim because he's blind. And um
1: oh, that was horrendous! That was yeah. horrendous. I've got the-
0: that's really messed up but like you know he he you find out how scared how scary he is but also you find out that there's only one man that's ever been able to beat him before and that was someone who played him at his own game and then you mm-hmm. can choose to do that and you play him at his own game which is cool because it's like it's a riddle and you go through it and there's these cool little things they do like as you're going through this final area because he kind of teleports you to a to some kind of like alternate reality in which you're running around like this place when you've got to try and beat him within his own rules and he gives you a certain amount of time to yeah. do it in and everything it's really so much like, pressure yeah so it's... much pressure
1: oh <laughs> it's, my god it's so cool but super cool um because then you get through that place and you end up at this area with loads of mirrors around because he's the mm-hmm. master of mirrors and they're all breaking as you end like go near them and You're like what do you do and then you figure out that you have to look in the reflection of a pool um or a fountain yeah and that just that moment was just insane like it was really like they made it really demonic it was really cool because um I read that he speaks in about four different languages when he's saying that. Cool. Um, And he says it translates roughly into something like you can't kill me I can't die.
0: Oh really? Yeah. yeah. And
1: I was like that's interesting. Because if we get another Witcher game is he going to be lurking? is he going to be around
0: yeah yeah we we'll can't die. him again yeah yeah i because think without that,
1: without having known that translation i was like oh he's gone now we've gotten rid of him that's weird
0: because i just just as we were having this conversation which is something i think is just so excellent about podcasting it can open up your mind to different things that i was like there's a theme in the fact that you have to look at yourself in the reflection that I think attaches itself to Olgid in being like, at the end of the day, he has to look at himself and realize the mistakes he's made. You know, that's what, that's what like Gontro Dim is trying to say. He's like, look, don't blame me. Like, I he look he's got to look himself like he's he's in this he's in this scenario because he's a dickhead. You're not because of me yeah. because like I you know I didn't force him to do anything. You know I just agreed to him and yeah sure it comes with a catch but he should have thought about that before he goes summoning fucking demons. You know so like yeah. you know that that and the fact that you then said oh you can't kill me I can't die is also something to do with Olgit that he can't die. You know that's one of the things that he that he is like
1: yeah one of the, that's one true of the calls, which
0: i think is super deep if you think about it in that way that's yeah. like you know there's a lot of um <laughs> things that perhaps you know
1: oh so it's just so well written like yeah. even those little things but mm-hmm. you come to the end of it and all geared and this is just heartbreaking stuff it's honestly just horrible because all geared even the way the cinematic part plays out because there's a lot of like you know all geared just sitting there contemplating and and Geralt. i am um, i don't know if you have a choice in it but Geralt decides to sit with him yeah um because obviously he he can feel again he's gotten all his emotions back he has to look back he's like I killed my brother for this my I ended up killing my wife for this yeah um I ended up killing loads of people causing so much pain and suffering for everyone and now he has to feel all that at once
0: well any of it you know it's the it's the misuse of his body it's everything you know yeah <clears throat> Which is amazing, because it, it's actually, it's, I didn't realize until I played the Witcher DLC for the second time that it's to do, it's really loosely based on a, on a, like, Norse mythology, which is cool, um, mm. because there's, there's a, there's a Norse character, that can't feel anything, um, which is cool, but yeah, so it's, it's, uh, and then when they do, they feel everything, um. Yeah. But it's it's cool because that like, you know, thinking of not being able to feed anything and then suddenly being able to feel is 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 like overbearing and horrible. And that's how kind of how you leave him and stuff. But there's some kind of re- like resolution to it, like obviously Geralt's end, but like it, there's some kind of like you can leave him and you don't leave him thinking I don't know. It, it it rounds itself off in a nice way where it doesn't leave you thinking like, oh wow, I wish I could just go see if all good's all right. Like you kind of just know that he's going to be all right in a way, whatever that yeah, way is. Yeah, he does say
1: something like he's going to go like redeem himself or he's going to do good to try and
0: do good in the world. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah.
1: Where yeah. you know, you would kind of expect and this well, maybe this is just me. I kind of expected him to turn around and like just kill me because there's this isn't worth it. Yeah, Because, and I think that's just a kind of normal video game trope when people, you know, when something kind of like that happens. So I expected him to, but I was really happy when he was like, look, I'm going to go and try to do good. Yeah. Um, Because also other people could like turn that emotion into evil too. Yeah, 100%. They could be like, well, I fucked up so I can go, you know, kill some people. I can go do more Which
0: at the end of the day, then kind of, it doubles down at the end of the day of the fact that he's a good person, really, deep down, and he just made mistakes, you know? And I think that that's... Like, mistakes
1: is a bit of an understatement, though, isn't it? Like, like, absolutely ruined lives. Yeah. Your own, the people you loved. Yeah. All that stuff. It's, like, horrendous, like, what one little deal can make, Mm -hmm. you know? insane it's so good it was just so emotional
0: really really excellent excellent like um story from start to finish
1: mm-hmm. that
0: has even the side quests in there are great and stuff but i just think that yeah just it's it's cool that it's still within the main area as well and doesn't go to a new place or anything but it's just yeah it's cool that it it's like it's, got, it's just got so much going on and there's so much nuance to it and we you know we could probably do a whole podcast just on that you know and it's we mm-hmm. effectively have because we're over an hour now but like you know it's it's like amazing i just think it's really really amazing you know yeah
1: and, and i'm kind cool. of glad because it takes you to Oxenfurt more than the main story did because i felt yeah. like um most stuff took place in Novigrad. um novograd and no, you Novigrad? you kind of huh
0: is it novograd Yes, sorry. i got Novigrad and Vizima mixed up in my mind then. Carry yeah, on. Yeah,
1: yeah so you you spend most of your time in Novigrad and stuff and you kind of fleetingly visit Oxenford sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, And I just think it was a really nice way to bring Oxenford into it more yeah, and see it more. So I was like, yeah, that's cool. And I think, you know, you could easily have done two DLCs in the main area, like yeah, in Velen and definitely.
0: stuff. You could do another one in Skellige. True, you know or whatever because there's so much to sort of explore and do there but like yeah i i just think that it's it was it was the perfect and i remember at the time as well that i remember thinking to myself once i finished it because the blood and wine and one hadn't actually come out yet that i was like this is better than the main story which is something that completely blew my mind but it was just that i was like <laughs> you know how what it felt like to me was it was like Witcher had because it's so massive and had so much to to achieve that that main story had to be followable it had to be almost a little bit more mainstream and Mm -hmm. what this feels like is it feels like all those people that done all the amazing side quests and all these different things just got that someone just went hey fucking think of a cool story you know and they just went yeah and they and they like really had like creative um freedom to make this story you know because i guess with a dlc it's less like you have to make it as marketable as as a as a blockbuster triple a video game like the witcher is you know yeah. which is cool not that that doesn't isn't full of you know amazing nuance and you know more ambiguity and everything else like with the stuff that goes on with Yennefer and everything but like you know i just think it's just so good that like that, I, and it's the only time i've ever had it in my life where anything that has been put onto a game or is extra or anything else and i'm and i think that the only thing that comes close is the last of us is and that is that the dlc is uh, you know as good but better than the video game
1: Mm -hmm.
0: which is insane
1: yeah for for something
0: that's only 15 hours like
1: yeah it feels very um it does feel like its own game but it feels like it was the right amount of time yeah definitely For the story, like you were just so immersed in it for like whatever amount of time that you played it for and it never outstayed its welcome and it was never to the point where you felt like you needed more either. Definitely. So it was just so good.
0: But I think on the whole, it's just, it's like such a... Like it feels so much longer than it is as well. Like it feels like a real epic, long like discovery of stories. But it's just mm-hmm. these. It's these standout moments. And this is the like the the story itself as a whole is cool and it's like so much goes on a bit. But it's is, it's is this like, and this is why when earlier on you were saying that the, the witch is masterpiece, right? And that's because it does exactly what I love the most, and that is that it puts together visual like artwork. It, gameplay music and like acting and storytelling and it does all of those so well because what mm-hmm. that that like that party for example it feels like you're at a party you've got all the music going on you've got all the different people about the different characters the acting and the fact that Geralt's actually like Geralt but someone else and the inside Geralt and all that kind of stuff and Shani and all that stuff that goes on there and the gameplay of being able to suddenly be diving and then you're fighting and then you're playing cards and then you're doing all these different things and like that is what, like, it's such a it's a little contained moment that's why video games are so fucking powerful and so special and such an excellent way to consume a story, in my opinion. And I will always stand by this and why I have this podcast and everything else, the best way to consume a story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I
1: agree. And, like, even the fact that, like, and this is just such a testament because, like, not all DLCs come across this way, but the fact that it's able to make... Me fall in love with a character from a DLC just as much as, say, Tracer, Jennifer or Siri when I'm talking about Shani, like to get you feeling that emotion towards someone that you will never probably see again in yeah. another DLC or in like part of the main quest. So the fact that they make you fall in love for that small period of time with a character yep. is insane.
0: And and that's where, like, when I said about the way that, C- the uh, sorry, not Siri, the, the Shani ended, was like, it felt like it was like this little contained story, like this little yep. thing that happened, this little, like, moment, you know? And in, in the way that she says that, and it, and it really is like, she's like, hey, you know, enjoy the moment while you're in it, you know, and that kind of stuff. It's like, it's just cool. It's just really, mm-hmm. really cool how it does all of that. It just does so well. And I think that, as much as blood and wine is an epic more so and is more um
1: i don't know how that's not a game in itself there's
0: yeah there's more scale to yep. to blood and wine for example but this game does just as well in its storytelling you know mm-hmm. it's like i guess it's like you know like a a smaller book that's not a whole series like you know how one film can be really really good and you can really really enjoy it but then you've got like a you know a six you know like the lord of the rings you know where it's all of them are excellent you know Mm -hmm. and i think that that's where like in comparison to blood and wine it's not as huge and there isn't as much in regards to like world building as there as there is but it definitely stands alone as its own powerful thing that is so excellent Mm -hmm. um but yeah, I think okay. that we are diving into the point where we've spoken about this to such a degree that although we said at the start of the podcast, which was certainly we lived in the land of good intentions of keeping it so that we spoke about both, that Blood and Wine is so huge that we're going to end up running into crazy territory. So yeah. we'll make it into two parts um, where we'll, we'll come back for the next one and talk about just Blood and Wine. Um, yeah. And talk about all the things because there's so much in Blood and Wine. Because although we've stopped off so much in this, there's equally as many little amazing moments in in Blood and Wine. So I really look forward to talking about that. But as I say, or have tried to say uh, at the end of a lot of these podcasts, how, if you had to explain it in three words, what would it be? Try and explain Heartstone in three, in three words.
1: Oof. Um, emotional. Mm hmm. Um. Oof. Ooh, this is hard. <laughs> um. I want to say well-rounded, but that's kind of two words unless you put a hyphen in between. So I'm going to pretend there's a hyphen. Hyphen, there, hyphen, hyphen. hyphen. <laughs> <laughs> well-rounded and. I was gonna say epic, but I would attribute that more to blood and wine as opposed yeah. to this one. Oh, what would I say?
0: Mine would be powerful. I'd like to have that in Ooh, there. Oh, that's it's, a good one. It's powerful, you know. Yeah. Um, it's definitely like it's psychological. Mm. As well, it's very like psychological, even with Toronto Dim and what he's Like, and all that kind of stuff is really like psychologically trippy and stuff. Is cool. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, you can use powerful as last one, though. Yeah.
1: I might say diverse.
0: Yes, great. Yeah, it is yep. so diverse in-, in gameplay, in storytelling, in everything. You know. Hundred mm-hmm. percent. I agree. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Nice. <laughs> nice. I got there. I got there. Yeah, yeah,
0: yes. that's it. Yeah, that's good. Okay, cool. So this has been um, one flew over this. Uh, no, No. it's not. This has been... No, it's not. Uh, Game is a lost ark.
1: <laughs> as soon as and I'm here, he just thinks
0: yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, that's it. So So this has been Game is lost ark. Kaylee, you've been amazing. It's so cool to hear all your thoughts and feelings or something. And again, I'm sure you'll feel this way with the Okami podcast, but because this means so much to me, i'm so it fills my heart with joy that you love it as much as you do um mm-hmm. and it's it's so cool it's such an amazing amazing game but we will be back next game is a lost ark with blood and wine so Blood, and wine. Um, blood we'll, and we're wine. talking about that but yeah cool. sexy vampires <laughs> but yeah thank you so much everybody for listening and yeah we'll be back with the second dlc don't you worry woo thank you again for listening to another Pixie Gaming Podcast, uh, whichever one it was you chose to listen to today. We are Pixie Podcast on Twitter, Pixie Podcast on Instagram, Pixie Gaming Podcast on Facebook, and Pixie Gaming Podcast on YouTube. And our website is www.pixiepodcast.co.uk. Thank you so much for listening. You're all a bunch of legends. And uh, here's a little outro music. So enjoy.